Shut up and sit down. Yeah, it's Thursday night. That's all I got for you. My studio looks like a mess because I just set it up because um, I'm lazy and I've been working all week. And, you know, whatever. Deal with it or don't. That's that's your choice. Um, ooh, let me tap that a little, little tap tap. Ooh, wrong way. That's going to bother me all episode if I don't do it now. So y'all just going to have to do with uh, tap AMR, ASMR. There we go. Yes. It puts the camera in the good view. Um, so we've got a guest on tonight, but before I do, before we do that, I want to bring on a very special individual. No, it's not when they ask Will. It's Will. I was going to be a dick, but it's Will. The the chair. How many, how many Libertarian podcasts can you say has a sitting state party chair as a host on their shows? Not many. Mr. Will. Well, this one doesn't even count. It's not a real podcast, not, not a real retainer or real chair. So we're also in fantasy land here. I'm not a real mole person. A mole person? What are you, what are you hitting on there, man? What is that percentage? Uh, well, it's 6%. I usually hit 12. But, you know, you do That's what you got to do. Have you done the salt nicotine stuff, like the jewels and that crap? I've ne- uh, I think... I think this one's a salt nick. That well, shit hurts my soul, man. Does that make your head spin and stuff? Nah. Really? I can't do it. First time first time caller, long time viewer. Thank you, Casey. It says good things when we have first of us that stayed. And uh it did really well. A lot of people are like, Oh, that's a great shirt, man. Where can I find it? I was like, Well, <laughs> But we are we are in the process of migrating over to uh, Proud Libertarian. If I find that, own that shit. Oh yeah. And the oh, Alaskan Raven for all your meme memes, meme memes, all your meme meme memes. At Slate Crow, they are Alaskan. They find meese on horseback. Look at that scene. Meese. If they can find this in real life, think about the memes they can make. Moose eye. James Tarrier, Tarrier for KY.com. That's T-O-L-L, the number four. Uh, it's T-O-L-L-E-R, the number four, KY.com. It's people over politics, people helping people. Go help James out. He's having a rough time right now. 
Uh, the gerrymandering continues up in Kentucky, and they are screwing him royally. They didn't even buy him dinner first, and they're just they're just continuously screwing the poor man. So go donate some money, help him out. And while you're there, donate money to the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, but not really because our 5014C is not completely finished yet, so I don't want to deal with your money yet. But follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We lead Libertarians to Veteran Issues and Veterans to Libertarian Solutions. So I want to share this shirt real quick before we bring our guest on. We'll let him see what he thinks of it. I don't think this will be a very big seller with men. I think this will be phenomenal with the ladies. And so I had the idea one night when I was watching footage from Ukraine. I was like, you know what? That the the sunflower grandma, uh, Slava grandma with the the sunflower seeds. You remember her? I didn't see that. She was the she was the one that walked up to the Russian soldiers with a pocket full of sunflower seeds and handed it to him and says. When you die on Ukrainian soil, at least dead tyrants will grow sunflowers, which is the most gangster shit ever. Because she walks up like they're fully kitted, walks up with a handful of fucking sunflower seeds. So I I, I got with, yeah, I got with the guy with from uh, not uh, from a proud libertarian, and he's made this design here. May sunflowers grow on the graves of tyrants. That's actually really beautiful, except isn't that a daisy? No, I guess that is a sunflower. But I, that That'll is really freaking cool, man. I, I like that shirt. I'll buy that. Does it have our logo on it and stuff, or just uh, just that? I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a great we question. We putting our logo on things. It's very important. We do. Our t-shirts. They know it's our t-shirts. Yeah, we, we, we sell t-shirts with no logos. I'm like, that's yeah. great. Who, who does hey, that? Where can I get that? Oh, it beats me. It's a mystery. Look at it. It's almost like we're not organized. It's like we're, we are not a real pot. Not a real store. Not a real t-shirt. Not a real t-shirt. <laughs> but we do have a promo code for anyone who goes to proudlibertarian.com and would like to cop some of that sweet, sweet merch. It's N-A-R-L-P. I think it gets you 20% off. Nice. That's pretty good. So, anyways, right. enough uh, passing around. When we yeah, shut up. Yeah, we're we're done. We're done passing around the offering plate. Uh, <laughs> let's get on to the the guest preacher for the night. Bet you bet you stole from it. Oh, absolutely, all of it. There's like five hundred bucks. Yeah, it's like five bucks in there now. All right, let's do it. All the way from the other side of the internet. Uh, our guest tonight is Kelly Carden. I'm saying that probably wrong, but he can correct me because here he comes. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. You actually said it perfectly. It's just like my my mom. She's from the Philippines. She has a real thick accent. So when I was a kid, I'd always hear tell people her last name is Carden, spelt like garden, but with a what the hell? <laughs> so like garden, but with a C. And so now I actually do the same thing. So if you can say Cardin, you can say if you can say Garden, you can say Cardin. <laughs> That's a good way to say it and simple. And I'm, then like, and then I tell people my name is Kelly, and they always assume that I say Kevin. So I'll, I'll usually say no, Kelly, like Belly with a K. <laughs> like you, you think you wouldn't have to explain that, but yeah, like I, Kelly and Kevin isn't even close. Like. <laughs> So how do you feel about having a more feminine leaning name, although that's not necessarily like the history of it? So when I was a kid, I hated it. Actually, everyone really? called me I used my initials. But as I got older and I kind of realized where it came from. So there's actually a pretty deep meaning for it. I'm a junior. Um, my dad actually died two months after I was born, unfortunately, from his cancer. So he was already terminal when I was born. 
So my mom named me after him when he left the room. Wow. Yeah. So I like it. And so as I've gotten older, I actually don't let people call me Casey anymore. Even my family calls me Kelly and my, my wife. I don't, she's never called me by my initials. So now I embrace it. That's awesome, man. I'm Irish, so I love Kelly as a name, but not for the same meaning. But that's, that's badass. I learned something new today. Well, so I'm half Irish. Kelly also means Celtic warrior. Very cool. Irish and Filipino. That is badass. Yeah, which is really cool because Irish and Filipinos are just the Mexicans of their respective continents. That's Well, okay. I'll argue with you about Europe. I would say <laughs> that Italians are the Mexicans of Europe. But... All right. <laughs> um, I'm not Irish, but I, I fully embrace the Irish tradition of planting bombs under politicians' cars. I think I think it's a fantastic culture, and I fully support it. Oh, man, I support that. And then, of course, I support, you know, um, what, the one from, what was the movie? Uh, shit, man. The Gunpowder With Mel Gibson? Oh, no. uh, Vendetta. <laughs> v. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, V for Vendetta. That one. The Hell gunpowder. yeah. Gunpowder that would be sweet. He tried to blow up Parliament? Like, that's awesome. Yeah, he did blow up Parliament, if only. Man, that would have been great. How much easier would it have been? It's amazing how all libertarians basically subtly hint at revolution and terrorism humor all the time and just completely get away with it. But we all we all mean it, like at least 1%. We're like, I mean, don't don't push us, or we will. But we're Yeah, I mean, I might not want to blow up Congress, but I certainly am okay with overthrowing it. <laughs> yeah, I, won't, I don't want to blow up Congress right now. But don't yes. push me. Don't push me. No, look at him. He's like, I, I got you. <laughs> um, I'll be the lone man in this argument. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to blow up Congress just a little bit. I've yeah, always said the, the problem with January 20th was that they didn't do enough. And the, well, the other fact was that, uh, oh, was it January 6th? Yeah, it was January 6th. That's what it was. Yeah, not 20th. I'm, I'm stupid. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's 2020, 20, yeah. Blow up their budget. No, they've already done that. They've blown it way up, yeah. uh, all the way up. The wrong way. There, there is no yeah. budget. That shit's in the <laughs> Imagine, imagine someone handing you a, a credit card that says, "There is no limit. We'll just take from someone else." That's how we should make those government politician credit cards and be like, "No limit. Just take from taxpayer account or something like that." One of my kids Meme more get on it. One of my kids watches a guy on YouTube where they do that. They'll take like a no limit credit card and tell them, well, how much you think's on it? Buy whatever you want. Like tell them, well, so there's no limit, but it's attached to all of your friends. Take how much you want. Dang. <laughs> how much would you do? That would be rad. <laughs> that would be rad, right? Yeah. Politicians would fail that test for sure. Oh, yeah. Dude, there'd be no way. The guy that I'm running against, he, he'd take all of it. <laughs> Beautiful segue. Tell us about him. Oh, man. So here. Well, can we start off with what office you're running for? Oh, yeah, that might help. So I'm actually running for a county seat in California. I'm running for the Kern County Board of Supervisors, the second district. It's um, a small desert district. It's like, no, not small. It's the largest district in the second largest county in the state. Um, so it, my district's huge, but I've lived in it my entire life. So um, I was born in Los Angeles. My dad, like I said, passed away, unfortunately. My mom used the life insurance money to move us to Kern County. Um, I lived in the same house for the first 25 years. <laughs> Um, my, my kids go to the same school that I went to, that my dad went, that my stepdad went to, um, my five-year-old son's in the same classroom that I sat in for kindergarten. His teacher, her first year teaching was my kindergarten year and she was next door. Her last year teaching, she's in my classroom with my kid. Wow. So it's just one of those little places, 
The guy that I'm running against, he's a three-term incumbent. He's running for his fourth term, and he's a douchebag. Let's hear like, about it. There's like no other way to put it. He's a pompous ass. So he he lives in he talks about public safety, right? As if he cares about public safety. I live in the most unprotected zip code in my district. He lives in the most protected zip code in, in my district. And he would really like scold me on public safety. And on top of the guy, the fact that the guy was he was arrested in college for some bullshit, right? He got in trouble for for weed. I don't care. But man, he sure keeps voting against legal marijuana here. Wow. You know, and he got off has to pass things county by county, right? Or city by city? Yeah. County by county. So only about a third, I believe it's only about a third of the counties in the state have medical marijuana laws. That sucks. And and the reason why is because, man, our politicians are so stupid. If you can't be a good drug dealer, you suck. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> They've broken the marijuana industry. They've made it so expensive that it just doesn't make sense to use it. That's And so, and so the yeah. county that I live in, so what's famous about us is Kevin McCarthy is my congressman. And, and he never comes here. So he's, he's never come to my town. The guy that I'm running against, we've owned a family business for, for 30 years. His entire, so his entire um, career, he's, my family's had a business. He's walked by my store every year for the parade, but never come into my store. Huh. You know, wild. and it's just like, you're a county level, like a representative. Literally, you're not going to, you don't have the excuse of going to Washington. You're here all the, every day. Yeah. And this guy just—he doesn't care about anybody, man. He—he he votes in a way that—that that he, for instance, wait, we have windmills in Kern County. We produce, we're the largest producer of renewable energy in the state. And um, he voted for no windmills and no—I'm sorry—he voted for no solar panels in his town because he—he he said it's on the record. He talked about how he thought it would make his town look ugly, and then scolded my town for trying to stand in the way of people monetizing their properties. <laughs> Wow. Sound, he does sound like a great A douche. Yeah. yeah. It's really funny because I today I was at a, at a Chamber of Commerce meeting here locally and his full-time field rep walks in and she's like, oh, shit, Kelly's here. So I say, hey, Laura Lynch, next to me. So she sits next to me and at the end she goes, Kelly, I've never seen a politician walk into a room and immediately be the most well-liked guy there. Like, huh. I, you're, his, my... My opponent's employee told me that I was one of the most well-liked or the most likable candidates she'd ever seen. That's awesome. I, I, I concur, and I've only known you for eight minutes, so. Uh, <laughs> well, we're on 16. Oh, you're right, because I was in the back room for a couple. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just it's about bad. 20 minutes. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So. so oh, yeah. Go ahead, bro. Your turn. So, um, yeah. So, you're the incumbent. Okay, so actually, I'll ask this question. So, what? How long is the legislative session in California? So, like in Tennessee, it's ninety days. They have not the the, const, the state constitution says you must do all legislation within the first ninety days of the year, and it lays out between what date and what date. Um, what's the legislative session in California look like? Well, I'm honestly not sure. Um, at the county level, we don't have that, but I'm not sure what the state's assembly is. Um, we passed. Oh, that's right. You said you're running for county. Yeah, I'm running for yeah, county yeah. position. Um, so, what happens? Do you guys like approve like coding issues, like disputes? What kind of stuff does the board of supervisors actually do? So the board of supervisors is the legislative and the executive branch of the county government. They can they do everything except for schools, anything that's specifically state. So schools, water, they don't do. Um, but they and they do infrastructure. They and then they do everything else. And but but my county doesn't isn't able to pass taxes, so they don't have revenue generating abilities. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So what, what so, do you do then? What are you? What are your decisions that you're making and stuff? Oh, I mean, everything. So they, they approve every project. They, they, they do pass laws at the local level so that we have um, the ability to change to for criminal justice reform. You know, we can stop sending inmates to prisons. Hell yeah. And, act, and you know, it's funny because I live in the most conservative district in California and they always swear they're fiscal conservatives, but they throw everyone in prison like it's free. Yeah. Like you're paying for their entire freaking life. Yeah, like when so I've like talking about criminal justice, I've always said like why why are we throwing addicts in prison? It's it's three times cheaper to keep them to keep them in rehab. Right. No like, shit. What's the fiscally conservative thing to do? Like these guys are terrible Republicans. Yeah. Um they pat what else did he pass recently? A lot of solar, a lot of windmills. They do the redistricting themselves, so they're actually responsible to approve their own redistricting. Huh. Um, yeah, so it which I, I, what can possibly happen, right? Right, right. Yeah, that, that's never, never gone wrong. Never, no, no, not at all. So they they do that. I mean, literally everything in in between there. They they direct spending, um, which is where a lot of things are. They have the ability to change like um, zoning. We're gonna change. We're gonna work on zoning laws to make it easier to build. You know, we we live in a in a we live in a in a state where there's no houses, and but you can't build them because they're too expensive to build. So. Those are the kind of things that we're going to affect. I'm going to I'm going to push to to eliminate fees for contractors who are building homes so they can afford to build homes. And and quite frankly, I'm a fan of nullification. I'm prepared to tell the governor to go to hell on his on his luxury requirements. You know, every house is a luxury house, so they're not building starter homes or small apartments. So what's happening, of course, is we now have more millennials, more more people with families live with their parents than at any time in history right. in American history. Right. So why like fix it? Fix <laughs> Just it. get the yeah. hell out of the way and let it fix itself. Yeah. You know, seriously, charging somebody a fee to make a house like it's already such a huge feat to try to buy a house, build one, get the loans and all that stuff. Basically, what you're saying is now rich people can already do this way more easily than everybody else. But now especially we're going to make that true by adding fucking things on top of it for no reason. And it, it's it's strange because the Democrats, they swear that they care about people that are poverty stricken. They don't. Not even a little bit. They, they care mean, about building them a slum and putting them in it. That's what they yes. care about. Yep. They want them I've, to have so, apartments and they want them to stay out of their neighborhoods. Yeah. So in my early 20s, so I actually went to Bible college. So I have a degree in, in biblical studies. Um, I worked and lived in the projects. Like I wow. literally have seen it every day happen. And and watching these people that that keep voting in this direction, they don't see how they're pushing themselves towards the projects is insane. I mean, every time the costs go up and we, we don't get more money, we're not able to increase our value. They've shoved us to the poverty line. That's right. They're doing it to everybody. That's what the whole – have you guys seen the um, Russell Brand video about – it calls it the Great Reset in the actual headline. Um, Russell Brand's like the British comedian guy. But yep. it's a really good video just about how bankers are buying up single-family homes like left and right. The huge corporation banks are. Because they don't want – basically, homes are one of the most valuable assets that families currently have that bankers want. So if they can keep all of us in apartments, keep us renting, they can basically control all the wealth in the world. And that is literally happening right now. Yeah. Well, when oh. you look at the in – like in California, the two most impossible places to live are Los Angeles and San Francisco. Los Angeles has barely 30% of their homes are owned, and San Francisco is like 15% of their homes are owned. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe – I think I, actually, I think I have that switched. Um, okay. but either way, it's like, no wonder that everything sucks. Nobody owns anything. So nobody cares about anything. Yeah. The safest thing for a neighborhood is a homeowner. <laughs> so uh, I want to, I want to, sh- sorry, go ahead. No, go, go. 
So I want to take, since you're the representative right now for California, since you're here and in California, I'm going to shit on California a little bit. Uh, y'all need to start building some fucking houses because if another motherfucker walks up to me and says, man, houses are so cheap here. I just paid 100000 over like it was nothing. I'm going to kill someone. I uh, swear on everything. Like I, So my house, I bought for eighty grand, And one guy was like, yeah, man, I just moved here from California. You know, like a, a rundown house out there is like two fifty and 300000 something like that. Man, I paid four. I paid 100000 over, got it same day. And that's still cheaper than my house out there. I mean, fuck you. You're the reason why all the houses are so damn expensive now. Yeah, they're paying. They, they're not afraid of paying more. So I'm in a really weird situation where I live. So I bought my house for 90 grand and it's it's only worth 270, but I can't even sell it and upgrade. I would have a higher payment than I currently have if I tried to upgrade because the rest of the market went so high. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> but it's cool. I like my little house, man. I mean, I... I have a bunch of kids, my wife, I have a bunch of dogs. It's great. I was just in that position. I bought a house for like around that and then it, it increased in value a lot and I sold it um, because I moved in with my fiance. Um, but now our plan was to like start house shopping again and maybe like rent hers out or something. And like, no, like right now all the houses disappear instantly and all of them are paying way over asking price. It's like, if you're getting a conventional loan, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. It's, I don't even know what to say about that anymore. Like my, so I have an uncle who he, he, um, he got rich in real estate and he freaking like, he talked my mom into refinancing her house in 2008. And it was the house that we bought with my, my dad's life insurance money. And literally two months later, the market crashed and we had, we had to sell that house, you know, and it's, it's terrible. You know, it's, it's the idea that, and it's, it's part of it's her own fault, right? My mom should have known better. Right. I mean, and there's certainly that, but at the same time, like it's predatory. It's for sure. Predatory. Yeah. It's, it's one thing like predatory is even the wrong word for it because it's one thing to be really aggressive and sell you something really hard and go snipe you. Even in, I'm a capitalist, you know what? That's fine. If it's still her decision, but to literally, they literally misled people. They lied about the quality of mortgages they were selling. And so they literally set up the system to fail. And you know, that that's beyond predatory. That's just sabotage. the other thing they were doing is they were selling houses to, or they were qualifying people for mortgages that weren't qualified for it. That was predatory as well because they're putting this massive burden on people that couldn't pay it back. And that's really what caused it. If you look at a lot of economic um, reports is that they were basically giving out fucking home loans to any and everyone, whether they could pay it back or not. And then do you remember the rent to own things that were going on back then? Yep. So there was that. I had an uncle who bought like four houses on rent to own. <laughs> So he got what he got coming to, and that was his own fault. Yeah, but you know, he—it's like holy, you're letting people buy whatever they want. Yeah, I had a nephew just recently. He, I love him. I've taken care of him since he was literally ten weeks old, and he's in his twenties now. And he, um, he was like, "Dude, Uncle, someone told me I could buy a house with my credit score." I was like, "Frank, you have like three hundred dollars in extra money a month. How are you? <laughs> like, it's more than just your credit score, but." And I, I was know, like, man, these days down payment." FHA loans and stuff, you can get away with almost no down payment or 500 sometimes. Yeah, it's in, it's it's not it's not right. But, I mean, but the truth is, if he was to rent, he's going to pay 40% more than he would on his mortgage. So it's like it does – It's man. if anybody can qualify for a rent payment, they can pretty much qualify for a house too. So there's that. You know, I definitely agree. Like my mortgage payments – I'm lucky. I have a $700 mortgage payment in Southern California. <laughs> you know, but – You are lucky, man. That's not common. 
I was just looking at apartments, 1200 bucks for a one bedroom. And that's here. So I was working before the COVID response. I was, I was working in hospitality, but I, I was the you know, operations manager at the Ronald Reagan presidential library in uh, Simi uh-huh. Valley. Huh. And um, so I was driving back and forth every day. It's like 102 miles each way. Wow. And somebody was, they would always ask me, Hey, why don't you just move, like sell your house and move closer. And I would explain to them that even if I, if I had to move, I might at $300 a month, call it $500 a month for a car and hundred dollars a week for gas is all it was costing back then. I was like, you're still only at $900. If I had to sell my house and move a new home with three bedrooms, it'd be like 2,600 bucks. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's $1,900 that it doesn't fit, you know? Yeah, and, it makes so perfect I, sense. and I so, just drove back and forth every day. <laughs> so what do you do now? I mean, I am unemployed. We do DoorDash. So I couldn't believe I found myself unemployed, of course, during COVID. I worked in restaurants and hotels my whole life. So both of those options were gone. Yeah, um, seriously. So I was just living on unemployment. We went on vacation. The water bill went up. And I got pissed off that the water bill went up. So I decided to run for office. I, you know, I said, you know, if, if I, if I'm mad about the water bill going up, can you imagine being on a fixed income? Seriously. Those are the thoughts that went through my head. So I said, I'm going to run for fucking office. If AOC can do it, I can do it. Damn right. <laughs> you know? And then we were in, so we were on vacation and we're in Shiloh at the, in Tennessee, actually, we were at the battlefield of Shiloh. Have you ever been there? Bootleg? Chris? Uh- I've never been there, um, but Tennessee has some really great battlefields. Yeah. So we went there. We went to the battlefield at Shiloh. And when you walk in, there's a cemetery. And in the cemetery, there's a headstone, and it's the drummer boy of Shiloh. He was a 13-year-old boy that beat his damn drum on what was called the hornet's line, the hornet's nest, which was the heaviest fighting of the battle. He beat his drum until he died, and then now he's, he's interned at the beginning of the cemetery so I'm teaching my kids, specifically my 10-year-old. He was eight at the time. I'm teaching about racism in America, teaching about history, teaching him about the real shits that he's not going to learn in school, not the watered-down crap, you know? And I sat there and I thought, said to myself, man, if this little boy at 13 could beat a drum while cannons are going off, I can certainly run for office. What? <laughs> you know, so that's kind of what, where it started. I, I, I was a little bit petty. And then as you're talking to people and you realize, holy cow, everyone agrees with you. You know, I think most people agree with libertarians. The reason why libertarians haven't gotten, haven't progressed further is because of libertarians. We win a lot of arguments, and but you know what we lose? Hearts and minds. Huh. So what do I do? I treat people with respect. I win arguments and I win hearts and minds. So as a libertarian, I have the Republicans trying to endorse me in Kern County and the Democrats. Hell yeah. And, I, I never I never stray from libertarian principles. I never lie. I never promise anything. The union is endorsing me. I believe, I, you know. And so the first the county governor, the county workers union. I went in. I interviewed. And they asked me about privatization, and I was like, "Fuck!" They asked me privatization. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was honest. I said, "Okay, well, here's here's the deal. I don't believe that employees care waste. If you guys aren't making decisions, how can you be the the cause of the waste?" I, I would do everything I can to make sure that we're as efficient as possible. And then at which point, if we're unable to be efficient, then we, I would agree with privatization, but it would be my last option. I'm not lying to them. I was very honest. And they were like, holy cow. They felt respected. And I got over 50%, but not the two-thirds required for them to endorse. Kind of sucked. I was heartbroken. But 50% for a libertarian who's typically pretty anti-union, like anti-government union for sure. And yeah. 
but I was because it's it's how we we address and we present our libertarianisms. Yeah, you know, we get so worried about winning arguments that we never win people's hearts and minds. Amen. Winning an argument online does not translate to votes. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah. So so one of my buddies from from here in the in California Kern County Mises Caucus, Anthony Strauss, he always calls me the Republican Whisperer. <laughs> Uh-huh, nice. And he's like, you, you, you talk people down. Like, how do you do it? I talked to a lady. I talked to this one woman. She was like so mad at me because I don't believe that the government should outlaw abortion, regardless of the fact that I think abortions are bad. And once I explained to her, well, so what other things do you want the government to do for you? And she's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, do you want the government to inject your kids with a, with, with a vaccine that has no real proof and put masks on their face? Because that's what happens when you let them make all of the decisions. They make all of the decisions. Cool. And as we're going through, she's like, holy shit, you just talked me off of my abortion stance. <laughs> well said, dude. Hell and I'm like, but it's not about being anti or pro-abortion. I am very adamantly against abortion. Sure. I, you know, and I'm talking like I was one of those like religious rights who would put the red tape on their mouth with a black life written across it, and we would protest outside of out of abortion clinics. And but now I'm like, well, those people are hurting too. You know, most people don't get an abortion because they want one. They get one because they, they feel like they have no other choice. So why do you Oh, go ahead. So, so, so ultimately, what here's what happens with tribalism, right? You look at any issue, racism, right? Let's look at white people. We think we are, they claim that all white people are racist. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start there. So I'm half white, right? My kids are white. They're obviously not racist. My wife's clearly not a racist. You guys clearly aren't racist. We literally go through and justify how everybody's not a racist. We agree that hardly anybody's a racist, and then they turn around and call us all racist. Collectivism. Period. Like, are you fucking joking? Yeah. But like we can do about everybody else too. It's the prop. That's the fundamental problem is we need to address humans as individuals. And that's just every issue, crazy. any issue that you can dream of. We can, we can, we apply that kind of rationale and then throw the exactly. rationale. Exactly. exactly. It never benefits us at all. It doesn't benefit anybody to make those blankets over everybody to put us in boxes like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say something about going back to the um you know winning arguments and losing hearts and minds things well said i think that's wonderful um hannah cox was at the oklp convention she's she's a really great speaker mm -hmm. and she said that every libertarian should read um how to win friends and influence people mm -hmm. by who is that guy uh carnegie no. dale carnegie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh he's she said that everyone should read that and i i seriously agree with that statement because that's exactly about it it's about how to you know Essentially, if you ever argue with somebody, you're already losing the argument because our, yeah. our defense mechanisms immediately come up and we're not trying to find logic. We're trying to protect ourselves. Correct. Um, if you can avoid an argument, you can talk to people kindly, respect them, get them to talk, ask them questions. You can get them to your side in a lot of different ways. And we just don't try those ways. I, I'll, ask, the hardest. I'll say, are you interested in, in, in discussing this or are you interested in me telling you you're right? Very nice yeah. way to say that. Because if you just want me to agree with you, then there's no point of us even discussing this, you know. But if you're yeah. willing to say, "Hey, here's what we both think about this. How do we discuss? How do we figure out what's next?" And let's do it. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for a lot of libertarians too is, and I, I'll say this: I am 100 guilty of this. I think it's hard for a lot of people to say, "I don't have the answer," especially when you're trying to convert someone. Right? Say, you know, telling someone you don't have the answer for everything. It's like. Pure unbridled libertarianism is a fantasy. Like that, it, like philosophy is one thing, real world is, is another. But telling someone, hey, you know, I don't have an answer to, you know, uh, spending billions of dollars on the defense that you want. I don't, I don't have, I don't, I, I don't know how you 
fund that without stealing from other people. But yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to be right about everything. I, I, going back to the abortion thing, we set up a booth here in my region and and it's, it's the Bible Belt. So pretty much every booth around us was religious and conservative as hell. <laughs> and so the people next door that was sitting next to us, they had like a prayer wall thing up and you could write down a little prayer and they'd pray for you and all that. And, um, and they were asking us about our, our stance on abortion. And I was like, Ooh, this is an easy one. And I kind of, I took that approach kind of like what you were talking about, you know, talk to them like they're people don't say, Oh, well, you know, you should just let people kill kids. I, I opened up with, I don't agree with abortion personally. Like it's not something I would ever ask someone to do or encourage someone to do. And I said, however, the only two arguments we're hearing right now are pro-abortion and against it. It's either all or nothing. I said, what if there's a third choice? What if we make adoptions easier and give people who actually want to give those kids a good life the option to do so? Because adoption in the United States costs anywhere from ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollars. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Giving kids an actual choice or giving parents an actual choice. It, it, it mitigates a lot of that because how many kids in the United States go unadopted every single year or end up in the foster care system? So giving, see, that's, that's, that's the unique, beautiful thing about us. In my opinion, anyways, that we're looking at what's the root cause and what's the third option they're not giving you. Yeah. So I always tell people stay actionable, right? Don't just make an argument without a real world application on what that looks like. You know, I like that. and that's and that's what you've done. And it, what it does is it makes libertarianism real to people because now, oh, that's what it looks like in action. Because yeah. it's always, well, what would you, what would you guys really do? You guys wouldn't do anything. Well, let me tell you what we would do, and then yeah. you lay it out for them, and then it, it's just another way to progress. You know, um, yeah. that's kind of the directions that I take. You know, when I go on things like gun control, I am like I'm a Maj Touré gun control like Second Amendment guy, right? I believe all gun laws are racist and I'm happy to explain to any person of color who's a Democrat why, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm, I'm able to be actionable about it. And, and I'm not afraid to pull my own race card. Like I am happy to throw that <laughs> in fucking America. Are you kidding me? You need to pull your race card and your racist card. You're everything, Kelly. <laughs> I've been called a white supremacist more times in the last nine months <laughs> than, right. I, than I would have ever thought in my life. You know? So you're a real life. What's what's that guy's name? That Dave Chappelle skit, the the black white supremacist. What was his name? Oh I God! Remember, I just remember he was he was blind, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was blind, and he grew up in like an all white <laughs> orphanage. And like I, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but you okay. should you should for Halloween one year you should you should role play as him. That would be <sighs> fucking hilarious. Being called a white supremacist. Wasn't he gay too? Because he did another one where he was like, it was like he was a gay guy, and he was like, it's hotter than a Dickens. <laughs> so I, I remember that skit, but at the end of it, he, ah, look he, at Casey with this. Clayton with Bigsby, Bigsby. yep. Because at the wow. end of the skit, he they make the announcement that he divorced his wife because she married a black man. That's so funny. Dude. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I haven't, man. When was this? That was a long time ago. That's old Dave oh. Chappelle. That's real old. Yeah, Dave that's like. 16 years ago. <laughs> so yeah. tell, tell me about how you found libertarianism. Cause I'm always like kind of the most interested in people's like philosophical journey to it. Yeah. So I started off as like a neocon, like we were justified in Republicanism. I thought that was the only way to go. I would argue the justification of bombing poor people in other countries. It was bad. Like I felt like, and, and part of it was my immigrant story, right? I felt like the only way to go was American because of the success my mom and the difference of lifestyle that my mom had by coming here. 
So that was my justification for it. My mom's a Republican. My dad's a Republican. I voted for Trump in 2016. I thought Kevin McCarthy was going to be president one day. It was bad, you know? And then as you get older and you start realizing, like, do I really, as I'm smoking a bowl, you know, why are we throwing people in jail for this? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then you, you start realizing, holy shit, dude, like this is a terrible idea. That's certainly not what the founders wanted. Yeah. So as I got older, I started kind of moving away from it in that direction, right? I started just becoming more, I literally, so um, what are, how do they call us? Fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Like that was the direction that I was kind of moving in. That's the identity that I maybe had for a year. And then, you know, it, the whole uh, COVID thing, the meme wars of the of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Joe Jorgensen, honestly, like, Joe, you know what Joe Jorgensen, she said, um, and it's, it's, it's played out and, and in our, in in party it's kind of ridiculous right but she she said it and she said everyone's a libertarian they just don't know it yet mm-hmm. and i fucking believed her until i joined the party and i realized how nobody else does <laughs> no you, you got him uh you mean nobody believes her or nobody actually is a libertarian no well yeah that too oh. <laughs> and specifically speaking like is the mises caucus they keep what do they keep accusing us of of right-wing takeovers all of these things and it's like I thought everyone was libertarian. Right. Like, right. You really not? Do you say that every four years and not believe it? Because yeah. if that's what you're doing, then get the fuck off the mic. Right. Seriously. If you're, I will say that to the Prags right now. If you're willing every four years to say that everybody's a libertarian, they just don't know it yet, and you're still against the Mises Caucus because it's a right wing takeover, you're a fucking dumbass. You know what? I'm like, I'm like a diet Mises guy. Like, I'm certainly libertarian first and a Mises second. I have yeah. my own qualms with our caucus. I really do. With people in the caucus. But well said. You're exactly freaking right. If if everyone's a libertarian, then who can we not reach an olive branch to? Who can't Correct. understand this philosophy and make the world a better place and contribute to setting the world free? Who's out of our reach? And you don't want to reach people? That's on you. Yeah. And let's just say everybody's in our reach. Everybody loves liberty. Everybody loves being able to make their own decisions. The government doesn't, and we become conditioned to think that they're the only ones who can. But we forget the core part of that argument. As libertarians, we don't think that people are bad. We should believe that they've been that they've been lied to. That's right. That they've been misled and they've been fucking tossed around by the government for for two hundred and forty years. That we're capable of doing better without them, and we are. Yeah, and it's it's silly because what's happening is we're not reaching anybody because we're insulting everybody that wants to come. Yeah. I think the most disgusting thing I see in like the LP right now is this bipartisanship from some people. And I don't think, I don't think it's a majority of people. I think it's a very small minority, but like the diehard pro Mises, like you can't say shit about Mises or the the anti Mises. You can't work with Mises people. It's, it's, it's the fringe groups that, that have somehow trickled into this party from the two major parties. Cause it's the same mindset. No matter what you do, they're never right. Or they're never right. And it's, we have to stop seeing ourselves as members of a caucus. We have to start seeing ourselves as people who believe in smaller government, whether that's libertarian or not. Like I, I made a, I made a statement during LPTN's convention that all parties, all political parties are a necessary evil, which are a means to an end as a, as an anarchist should at some point, hopefully in my lifetime, LP, I, I'll grow the LP and they become too much government for me. But Unfortunately, that'll probably not be in our lives, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice though. 
hey, I'm working on it one step at a time, man. I'm going to I'm going to win this seat. That'll give us three county supervisors that are liberty loving in California. We'll have myself, Jeff Hewitt, and I think it's Brian Kelly up in Imperial County. Um, so and then Michael Lima, he's going to win his city council seat in Hayward. Yeah. And we're going to show people that we can that that first off, as libertarians, we can field candidates that people want to listen to. We can field candidates that aren't loons. And we could feel candidates that hate the state and can properly communicate that to people to help them vote. Hell yeah. Are you, you know? going to Reno, Kelly? I will be in Reno. I love Reno. So I lived in Reno for five years. I was actually the hotel manager at the Nugget Casino Resort. That's awesome. Yeah. You still know people there? Yeah. So one of so that's so cool. So yeah, well, I'll see a whole bunch of my friends there. Then security officers. So I had some cool shit happen at that hotel, man. Oh. Dude, that was <laughs> during the 2016 election. Donald Trump had spoken there. He did a rally during the primary, and then moving towards the general election, when he was in Reno again, he spoke there a second time. The second time, I had been on vacation for the four previous days, so I come home from vacation and I'm literally I'm in basketball shorts and I'm in like a, a sweatshirt, right, or a hoodie, and I'm running in and I run into the employee entrance headlong into the Secret Service. <laughs> like holy shit dude like they grabbed me and if the, they had me on that, i'm the hotel manager i'm just trying to go to work that's awesome and the director of security was standing right there you go that's my guy how many libertarians can say they've been hot, held by the secret service i feel like oh. you should just brag probably a lot probably a lot <laughs> maybe maybe a lot of people have been investigated by the secret service but i maybe not had their hands on I guarantee you we've all been investigated by some somebody representing the federal government. Oh, right? yeah. Another thing that happened at that hotel was pretty cool was um, I got to uh, – what was it? Fucking, there was a couple. So this one was this guy had been cooking fake IDs, and so he'd been buying stuff. But what happened is, is he wrecked one of my rooms, and then he moved. And so security comes and goes, hey, Kelly, maybe you want to see this room. It's been wrecked. So I go up there, and it's been destroyed. So I'm like, what the fuck, dude? So I look it up, and he's still in the hotel. So I pull the camera, we get his name, then I pull his information. He'd The ID he checked in the hotel with was stolen. He'd used somebody's playing player's card. So this guy was like five foot four and white. He used this man's player's card. He was like six foot 11, 347 pounds, and he was black. <laughs> like, so whatever. We go to the room, and he's not in the room. But we, we kind of look in, and there's somebody else. And they had like a stack to the ceiling, um, biker gear. TVs, they'd been they'd been selling so much stuff, man, and stealing stuff. I actually got I had to go to court over it. I had to I had um I was to testify on behalf of the police because he'd been stealing so much. And he gets up there and he goes, We didn't take anything. And so the prosecutor goes, Hey man, we have the hotel manager here. He's about to testify against you. The prosecutor the defense attorney asked for five minutes, he came back and took the plea deal. <laughs> yeah, <I bet>. <laughs> <laughs> the manager's gonna bury you right now, bro. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> Of course, so, now I know that I, I really, I might not have. I, I wouldn't have wanted to help them, but. Sure, but well. It's in the past. Will, Will, are you a delegate for Oklahoma? Uh-huh. So are you going to Reno? Oh, yeah. I'm signed I up. Don't know. I, don't, I don't know how much flights are. I have no They're 500 clue. bucks from, from OKC. I haven't even bought mine yet, actually. I have the choice to drive or fly, but it's like uh you know, it's it's plus, we're splitting gas money. Plus, it's like two extra days to drive. So I'm like, I'll probably just fly. Yeah, it's only seven hours from my house, so we're driving. Lucky, lucky you. That's awesome. Brag about it, California. Why don't you? Uh, it's the only good thing about. It. There's, a benefit, there's a benefit to living in California. 
No. What was that? Well, why don't you? I just said there is a benefit to living in California, close to the LNT. Why don't you? Ooh, that doesn't sound like a benefit. Uh, why don't you tell me how great the weather is out there? It is. So I, I, it's not great where I live. I live in the desert, man. So where, really? where I live, it's 110 degrees in the summers. The wind never stops blowing, and man, it gets cold. But we're not we're not rewarded with rain or snow. Or two. That sucks. Yeah. So, but I so in when we were in Reno, it was always like that. But what we've done is um, oh, so anyways, there. When we get to Reno, I'm going to shoot a commercial at my old apartment complex next to the Nugget Hotel. I literally lived in the ghetto. We called it the Alphabet Ghetto, like ten blocks of the Nugget. And I lived, we lived in this small 800 square foot, two bedroom apartment, one bath, me and my wife, three kids and a dog. And we figured it out, man. Like no amenities. We had to go to the laundromat every day. We free, I tell you what, man, my, my 10 year old son has walked more miles through the snow than your average adult. Damn. <laughs> you know, That's I remember bad. times when my kids were little, we had our car had broken down, you know, and I remember pushing the stroller with, with Rodney on top of the stroller. He was like five. And Elisa inside the stroller, she was like two months old and walking in the rain and the snow to the car, to the auto shop to get my car back <laughs> right in the bus. I, it's, it's awesome, man. I, I'm so glad that I've been able to go through those things, you know, riding a bus to work. I, I used to take five buses to go to work every day. Damn. You know, drop my kid off at daycare and go to work. And now I'm running for office. Like that's, oh. that's the, that's the, what libertarianism is. And that's what people need to understand. Like when we argue about libertarianism, what you're doing is you're stealing away from the spotlight of what libertarianism is. Libertarianism represents an, a, country, a, a movement where people who literally come, come, come from nothing and then impact how decisions are made. Yes. And can be successful and support yourself <laughs> because of a fair money system where, you know, a corporate elitist don't decide how much our money's worth. Yeah. Um, Dude, I have to go, guys, because I uh, have class tonight. Unfortunately, I have class every Thursday night. Mm. But, Kelly, uh, for the record, dude, I'm sure you get this all the time. You are a phenomenally nice guy. I'm sure you oh, get that awesome. every day, but it's true. Um, you're delightful. I definitely want to smoke you out at Reno if we get the opportunity. We will be there. And, and when I win, you can come to Kern County, and we'll smoke in the square of the admin building. Oh, I'm down. There you I'm, go. In. I'm so down. I, don't, I, I literally don't get two shits. <laughs> it's just <laughs> – it's just too bad Kelly's a white supremacist, you know? It's just one of those unfortunate things. It's so cool other than the racism part. I'm a homophobe, transphobe. Like, are you- <laughs> well, I got to bounce, guys. Thank you, Kelly. Bootleg, I'll see you guys next time. All right, buddy. See you, bud. Yeah, you know, my friend um, Zach Kincaid from, from Yolo County, he, all, he, he was telling me how him and his wife were talking about how – you know, we call, they called him a transphobe or, or a racist. He's like, man, I'm the world's worst transphobe. Let me tell you. <laughs> like libertarians, we are that we are terrible homophobes. Let me let me say that. Yeah, I just want to say I so saw I was <clears throat> I was on the LP website lp.org, uh, looking for the dates for the national convention. They have a picture of me on the fucking home screen. I didn't fucking know that. I gotta go look. <laughs> it's not now. It's not a picture solely of me. I can show it to you here. But yeah, I was I was scrolling through. I said, "What the fuck is this?" Because this was in Atlanta. That's that, funny. that ugly that dude right there. That's, that's me. That ugly motherfucker. Oh, there. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's oh, so. When is the right? Um, where? You're in Tennessee? 
Yes. yes. Where? What parts? The the best part, the very eastern part. Oh, what cities? <laughs> uh, uh, it's in the Kingsport, Bristol, Johnson City area. Okay, I know Johnson City a little bit. I've seen them on a map and stuff. Yeah, and I've yeah. my only time I'd ever been to Tennessee was I'd actually been been a couple. I've been in Nashville, Memphis, and then the second time, this last time we went, we went to Shiloh, and and then I don't even know where. We should know it's you by that massive dome of yours. That's. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Jennifer, are you talking about me or him? Because we both got. Oh, old she's, she's talking about me because I met her for the first time in person this weekend, and uh, not regrettably so was high for almost all of it. So you know. So oh, that's that was the question I was going to ask you. So what's the status of CBD eight and or yeah THC eight and just C, Delta eight? That's Delta what it is. 8. Delta eight and all that in California. It's legal. You can go anywhere and get it. So when Hotep Jesus came in 2021, um, I took him to a smoke shop and he bought himself some Delta 8. <laughs> yeah, because I think the first time I really consumed anything like THC related since like high school was uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. and I'll tell you what, man. If there's a great argument to be had why recreational marijuana should be legal, it's, it's Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, and Delta 0. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you can buy it now, and it does the same thing. The only difference is, is you can't I mean, there's it. not. We yeah. can. Can you? Yeah. Because uh, it's still THC. Oh, okay. It's just yeah, a I different type of THC. So when I, one time, my my so my dad, my stepdad's a he's a kind of a hippie redneck, right? Is the only way to describe it. He's a MacGyver, but he wants to grow his own plants. Um, so he had made me some brownies. So he comes over to the house and there's a very important thing here. He came and brought me a brownie. I said, Hey, I made you a brownie. Right. So he leaves and I eat a brownie and he calls me and goes, Hey, question. Did you by chance cut that brownie in half? I said, no dad, I did not because you told me it was a brownie. So I ate the whole fucking thing. And then I slept for like three days. See, what people don't realize is, like, the guys who live out in the sticks are the ones that are, like, really hardcore, like, growing good weed. Like, I know I know people around here that are growing such dank-ash fucking weed, like the illegal kind, that, like, it would make California jealous. But they're not growing it in such large numbers that nobody ever knows about it. But if you live in the area, you know where to get it. Yeah. I would like to get one of those uh, grow boxes just for, like, in my living room. You know, the ones that you can't tell what they are. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah. yeah. We don't have, so marijuana is illegal in Kern County. Um, we, my county, it, you can only buy it in two of the cities in the county. And um, that's it. So we want to move. I want to change that. Like, I, I would like to stop sending people to jail for marijuana. I like to monetize it. Like, what the hell, man? All that money to be made. And, and you're, it's like, you're, holy shit. How stupid are we? Yeah, I. Uh, so what's what's interesting is Virginia has legalized a lot of it. Like the, it's legal to grow like four plants, and you can have so much on you recreationally. Like medically, you can have it. And then a new bill hit the governor's desk today, Governor Yunkin. Uh-huh. And this bill, if he signs it, would repeal almost every single law 
that they have that allows for me- uh, for marijuana usage, whether it's medical or recreational. And the reason being is they don't have what they call proper channels for licensing. And one of the key sponsors for this bill just so happens to have a weed dispensary. Who do you think would benefit and would be first in line to receive a license should this happen? So we had this same thing happen here in Kern County. We had a robust marijuana industry, legal legal shops that were beautiful, you know, and 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 they voted against it. But it was the same kind of thing. One of the one of our county supervisors, so a county supervisor here would be like a county commissioner in Tennessee. Same thing, mm-hmm. right? And um, but he got on the radio and he talked about ending the marijuana industry and installing like a new thing. He 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 admitted that he wanted to get rid of everyone who had marijuana shops and let his buddies own their own. And then they immediately voted to make them outlawed. And it's like, what the fuck? Like we had guys that sunk their life savings into these shops and that went bankrupt over it. And it, it's made unsafe because they they it's illegal. You know, we had a shop in in Inglewood that no not in Inglewood in Bakersfield I think it's an illegal pot shop. They tried to rob it, and these guys. So, of course, they killed him. They killed the robber. But because they couldn't call the cops because they're murderers now because they run an illegal pot shop, they took everything, boarded up the doors, and left the body in the parking lot and went home. Just took off. <laughs> like, that's what happens when they try to overregulate everything. It hurts people. Yeah, and my congressional rep in my district, who is a an abomination of a human being, she is quite possibly one of the most evil women I've ever seen in person. Um her and her husband owned a pharmacy. Guess what she said she is adamantly against is federal medical marijuana laws. Shocking. I know, like the lady who makes a living, Nat was used to make a living uh, selling selling drugs, (laughs) is against you buying drugs. Just as long as, as long as it's not the drugs she sells. That, That she doesn't like. Yeah, it's, the people, the idea, I, I I'll never get over these represent these representatives who literally aren't representing. Like it doesn't even. I can't. Like I understand it. I see how evil it is, right? But like personally, I can never comprehend in my own mind ever doing that. Like, there's nothing that like I would that would ever. I can never be bribed enough. There's literally nothing that could ever happen that would allow me to do those things. I mean, I guess you come from the same place that I do. I mean, you're you're California hillbilly or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know, once yeah, there you go. That's a great one. Uh, once once you get used to being poor, I mean, it's it's it is what it is. I mean, you you don't have to have a lot of money to survive and have a good time. You figure it out. But you know, are are you the the real question is is are you willing to sell your soul for money and for a lot of us unfortunately a lot of people would say yes but there are a few that would say no it's it's not worth me selling out who i am as a person for a little bit of cash here yeah absolutely i mean i think about everything that like my family's gone through to get me to where i am and uh, like my wife is door dashing right now so i don't have to work and i can run for office and do things like this on the spur of the moment she you know there, I could, I wouldn't be able to look her in the face. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's going to be kind of like the last segment I, I'll uh, pivot into is uh, Christine Womack. She, uh, her, and I had a conversation a couple weeks back, and we were talking about how 
you know, we, we, we pat ourselves on the back for running for office and do these things and do that. But the hardest working people, the people that sacrifice the absolute most in this party are spouses by a fucking long shot. I mean, you look at Tasha Cohen or you look at, you know, like people like my wife, your wife, people who may not give a flying fuck about politics, but they understand that why we're doing it, we're doing it for good reasons. We, we believe in what we're doing and they're willing to sacrifice so much to make sure that we can help. Yeah, exactly. You know, I will say as a shout out, the hardest working member of the Libertarian Party is Matthew Ryan Butts, also from Kern County. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, you know, he, we always joke about him um, because most of us in California have joined the party because he harassed us until, until we finally went to meetings and stopped. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Good. No. No thought right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's there's a lot of good people in this party. There's a lot of people I don't agree with, but they work hard, and it's that's the important thing. So you know, I to, I always encourage people like uh, this is when when you meet people who you agree with politically, you've already gotten rid of the, the biggest arguments. Like I can't believe the people that I've met, Tom Nichols. He's an older white guy, an older, you know, white Hispanic guy from, from Central California. I never would have met him um, in any other life other than being part of the Libertarian Party. Angela McArdle, who I consider one of, to be one of my closest friends and one of the people that I trust the most as an advisor to give me, to help me walk through this time. I would never would have met her in any other lifetime. You know, um, Hotep Jesus, you, Maj Ture, these guys that I... You know, I was I tagged Maj because I saw some random guy wearing one of his shirts in an airport and he immediately messaged me back and said to send me the guy's picture. <laughs> you know, it's it's awesome. You know, so it's I've never had more fun with people that I've known less than with the libertarians. Yeah, and that's the great thing. I mean, like the majority of the people from the party or that are associated with the party that I talk to on a very regular basis were lifelong Democrats before they became libertarians. And I was a neocon. So at that point, like before, let's say we all weren't in this party, these are mostly people I would never have probably associated with because I was pigheaded and stupid and would have been like, you fucking hate America, you you piece of shit or some dumb thing. But yeah, it's fan-fucking-tastic, man. Yeah, I can't wait till Reno. You know, it's, it's funny. Every time I, I go to these events and I see all these people that I've only ever known online it's like a family reunion. You know, I had never met Adrian Malligan or Zach Kincaid. And then they walked up to me in Visalia last year. And it's like, these guys are my best friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. someone, Dustin Miller just gave me a shout out. He lives in Redding, California. I, I just met him, you know, and awesome people. Yeah. That I, I so awesome. I, I love it. Every minute of it. <laughs> I will say it is weird. Like talking to tons of people online forever. And then you finally meet him in person. Like I've done tons of interviews with people that I've never met. And then I meet him in person and it's very different experience. And it's usually funny for me because I'm six, six, like 260 pounds. So I'm a big dude in real life. But when I'm here, I look like I'm just whatever. Right? Me. I, yeah. I look bigger than you, but I'm five, nine, 230 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, she, she's not on tonight. She, Amanda Gibbs was there at LPTN and she's usually on here throwing up some comments. Uh, shout out to Amanda, but 
she 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 looked at me she said holy shit she says you weren't joking you're a huge fucking dude i was like yeah i try to warn people i try to i swear i do and they're like oh he's full of shit and then they see me and they go what the fuck how tall is your wife oh she's like five two so that's fucking my it's, mom's it's like and my dad's my stepdad was six one now he's like five ten you know but that i used to always joke 13 inches taller holy shit dude <laughs> Yes, uh, we we legit had one person walk. It wasn't at an LP event, but we had one person, one guy walk up to us. He looked at me, looked at my wife, and he went, "Holy shit, that poor fucking woman!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dude, it was it's it, oh, it's so funny. Do you guys have kids? Two of them, meaning shit. Don't 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 get outnumbered. That's where we. That's where as parents we mess up as we get ourselves outnumbered. For those of you who are listening who do not have kids, let me give you some real world advice from a father. <laughs> if you if, if if in the hospital that baby's born and it goes in the nursery and they wheel it back out to you, if it tries to lift its head, trade it with another baby who's not because that kid is going to walk early and he's going to make it hard. <laughs> I like that one over there. I'm going to trade it in for that model over there. <laughs> so my my kids are all pretty fair skin. Uh, my oldest has blonde hair. My next two had like reddish hair. And so when my last son was born, they asked me in the hospital, they said, do you want another boy or do you want another girl? I said, I want brown. Can I have a kid that looks like <laughs> it's like It's like going to the dealership like, hey, I got this color code I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we, don't quite work, bud. so he's born and he's the most he's the most amazing little boy ever he's got long red hair like almost to his butt he's he, he's my little boy boy but so we but we we go to the hot we we get over to the into the nursery and he starts lifting his head and i said oh shit and then this other dad walks in and he's filipino and then i i say hey man want to trade kids <laughs> And he was looking at me all funny. But I was certainly prepared to trade my little white boy with red hair for a little Filipino boy that looks like me. So I'll tell you this story. My wife hates this fucking story, but it's so funny because I was tired when we were there. So we went for our first ultrasound with the first kid. And, you know, naturally the nurse looks at me and goes, oh, are you the father? And I said, well, I sure as fuck hope so. And my wife, I could, I could feel her face go red. Like her gritting her teeth, and the nurse looked at me. And she said, "Well, if he's not, that's a conversation y'all can have. I'll go outside." <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell one about my wife too. So at at, at our last um, appointment before we had Anderson, she hops on the scale, and I step behind her, and I put my foot on the scale, and she looks down, and she looks over at the nurse and tells her. Your scale's fucking broke. I didn't gain 114 pounds in three weeks. <laughs> and the nurse is like, what, it's, what do you mean? And she looks at it, sees my foot on the scale. And I start laughing and my wife was pissed. <laughs> I didn't get 114 pounds in three weeks. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't have kids, uh, did your did your wife get an epidural? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, guys, I don't give a fuck how big and bad you think you are. I did a combat tour in Afghanistan. I I've seen some shit, but let me tell you something. 
when I seen them that motherfucker pull that epidural needle out, I looked at that thing. I looked at my five foot two wife. I said, "Where the fuck are you putting that?" And this dude, he must have been new or something, because he went in and out and like fucking twenty minutes. This goes on, and typically, like I'm great with needles. The nurse beforehand, she was like, "Look, Dad, if you get a little fainted." Like a little little lightheaded while he's doing it, let us know. And I'm sitting there holding her, and this is going on and on and on. I'm like, dude, fucking hurry up! And eventually, like it went on for so long, like I felt my face go flush. And the nurse looked at me and she said, "Are you good?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine." Another minute goes by, and I said, "No, no, I'm not good." I had to go sit down. Like 20 minutes of that shit. It is a huge needle. It's a fucking horse needle. So I, I, have a, I have a phobia of needles. I don't care for those too much. Um, but I, so all of our kids were, were C-sections. So were planned. So they, they, they give her the epidural before they bring that, bring you in the room. So thankfully, so I'm, I go in and she's like strapped to the bed, getting ready to give birth to my daughter. And, and the, all I remember thinking first was like, Oh my God, the blood's coming towards my shoes. <laughs> And then my daughter must not have wanted to be born because the table, he kept yanking and the table was like shaking. <laughs> and then I just, I looked at my wife and I didn't know what to say. This whole thing was like surreal. I didn't know. What to, I, I was like speechless. They, do you want to see her? So I stood up to look over the sheet and I sat right back down because the umbilical cord is still going to her stomach. I didn't want to see that. <laughs> and, um, and, and I looked at my wife and I said, what do you want to eat for dinner tonight? <laughs> And she was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, because what happens is they keep telling you every like 30 seconds, someone's reminding you to, to talk to her, you know? So I kept talking. I, I didn't know what to say until I finally said something stupid that we were pretty much done. <laughs> they, uh, did, did they let you, did they offer to let you cut the umbilical cord? No, so they cut it from her. They took him to the side, and then I got to cut the last little bit off. That was cool. With the first one, they didn't do that. The second one, they did. See, the second kid had a knot in the umbilical cord, but because she's so small and, you know, naturally my kids are fucking huge, he didn't have room to move, so he didn't pull it. But when when he came out, it was a perfect fucking knot. Oh, wow. But it had enough space where it kept circulating. And the, the doctor, she looks over at me. She says, hey, do you want to cut? And I said, fuck yeah, I do. This is awesome. <laughs> so I walk over there and I grab that little shit out of her hand. And it turns out it was like the clamp. So it didn't bleed all over you. I'm sitting there fucking trying to cut that shit. And she's like, no, that's that that goes on. You clamp that there. I said, oh. And then she yeah. handed me the scissors. Fuck yeah, let's do this. <laughs> that's funny, man. But, Sorry, so I have, a, I have a pet rescue. Her name, we rescued her. This is Lily. Say hi. We, uh, somebody actually, in, we got her in Reno. We've had her for about six years now. And what happened was, is somebody had thrown a box with her and her, her siblings in the river. And we ended up with her. And so she's terrified of the water. So when my dog and my kids were little, we'd give them baths. She would, if we didn't let her into the bathroom, she would paw and scratch at the, t- at the door until we let her. And she would hop up on the side and look, but she didn't want to get wet. She just wanted to make sure the kids were okay. <laughs> so, like, when it oh, rains, awesome. she will not go outside in the rain. Terrified of it. I think, I think, now this will be me getting slightly religious, but 
I think God sent dogs to keep us humble in life. I really do. Oh yeah. Dogs are the, I mean, so have you, have you heard the joke? You want to see who loves you more, throw your wife and a dog in the trunk. And then when you open it, see once, yeah, my dogs be happy. See which one's happy to see you. Yeah. My wife would beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but Kelly, man, I really do appreciate you coming on. You're a fucking hell of a guy, man. Is there somewhere people can send money to help you with your campaign? Yes, they can. You can go to www.cardinforkern.com um, and then forward slash donate. It's on there. Um, you can actually sign up for emails uh, for anything you want up there. You can updates. You can see my stances on some things. A couple of the other podcasts that I've been on. Um, you can certainly go there. Uh, we have a we have a five hundred dollar limit. You cannot donate more than five hundred dollars to county candidates in Kern County. Um, so be mindful that you keep it under that. <laughs> But yeah, you could give up to that. You can get four ninety nine, or if you have a spouse, you give a thousand. Most people give twenty five bucks, and that's really all I'm asking for. Um, every dollar that I spend gets used in a way that is impactful. Um, I don't waste any money. I, I'm going to win. I'm going to be a good steward of the money given. I, I really understand how that. It's hard for most people to just pull money aside to give to a political campaign. So when you give to me, not only do I appreciate it, you're you're literally, I, I believe that you're, you're helping beyond just that. I don't even have a way to put into words or not. I apologize, but yeah, cardinforcurrent.com slash donate right there. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I have a bunch of speaking events planned. I actually, today, I think I, I was able to secure the endorsement from the black chamber of commerce. Um, I have, I mean, it's, it's rocking. I'm, I'm speaking at all of the Republican assemblies in the next couple of weeks to, to secure their, their, their endorsements over the Republican incumbent. Um, it, we're I'm kicking ass, man. We're gonna win. It's fucking awesome, man. I love seeing like really well thought out and really well organized campaigns, especially in the LP, which unfortunately feels rare anymore. But yeah, I mean, I love seeing it. So I am not quite the well organized campaign. That is Mikey Lima, but I believe that I have I've I'm in a time that is perfect for somebody with no political experience to come in, to build rapports with people immediately, earn votes, and and put somebody in office who actually cares about the people who I'm going to represent. Awesome, man. Yeah, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I forgot that you have my number. I, we had texted at some point. I must have been fucking trashed, and I forgot all about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. That's I appreciate okay. you coming I, on. Well, Wilk messaged me. Uh, he's like, he, he sends me the link. He goes, hey, podcast studio. See you soon. And that was it. <laughs> That's why I texted yeah. you. Well, what time? Like right now? Like I'll top on right now, I guess. Yeah. I ended up being late getting out of work. And I was I was talking to a customer about uh, some business he's going to do with us on Saturday. And I was like, and someone else texted me. It was like, hey, you know, I can't do the 7th. Can we do the 14th? I was like, absolutely. Thursday the 14th. Oh, fuck. So let me tell you something. Great thing about East Tennessee is, like, there are very few cops. I was rolling about 75 and a 50 all the way home. It was fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, well, it was kind of normal. I I was only slightly faster. (laughs) That's funny, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, Tell Will, same thing. Man, you guys are great. Um, I'll see you in Reno. I'd love to, you know, if you're all get back on there, maybe. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. If we can make it out there, man, I'd like to go, but shit's expensive. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) All right, my brother. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys.
night. So, I've got one final announcement. It's kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of a teaser. Um, we have a new show starting. It'll be starting, uh, not this upcoming Monday, but the next Monday. It'll be April 4th. It'll be a new show. Uh, it'll be Monday nights at 7 p.m. And this is a little bit of a teaser of it. Fill a load here. There we go. It's Liberty 101. Uh, I've not formally announced who the host of this show will be. I don't know if I want to. I think I may just let it go. Uh, there are hints online. Um, there are 100% hints online. The host has shared this promo around some. So if you can figure out who that is, congratulations. But uh, yeah, the new show will start. Matt Butts harassed me until I started Yolo County and resurrected the CA program committee. Nice. But yeah, tune in April 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern Freedom Time to find out who the fuck our new host will be. I'm super excited about this person. We've had a lot of conversations on air, off air texting phone calls this is an awesome person um they have a great view on things a great take and uh yeah can i speak on the lp veterans caucus for a minute absolutely um the lp vet caucus is phenomenal i don't don't, i'm not directly involved with a lot of it like i'm an admin over there somehow some which way will made that decision and it was a poor decision in my my opinion but I mean, dude, it is fucking huge. I remember when this thing was first started, it was tiny and it has blown up. I mean, it's, it's nothing but vets talking shit to other vets, helping other vets, coordinating events. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm proud of Will and all the work that he's done over there. I mean, it is awesome. Um, they've got the discord, uh, they've got the, the Facebook group, they've got the website they're working on. It's awesome. For those who don't know and who might be interested, we have a, a Discord for this network. What's the promo code for Proud Libertarian? It is uh, N-A-R-L-P, the initials for Not A Real Libertarian Podcast, N-A-R-L-P. Um, yeah, if you're interested in the Discord for, for the for the network here, you can hop in there and I'll talk shit to you and you can talk shit to me and it's a great time, post memes and, you know, well, let's just get the whole server banned, why not? Um, if you if you need that, I can post it in the comments somewhere after the show. But yeah, man, it's gonna be uh, we got great stuff planned. Um, got a lot of events. You know, we're gonna try and get get to and um, yeah. But uh, with that, I'm gonna wrap up this Thursday night. Kelly is not a real libertarian. None of you are either. Kiss my ass. I love y'all. Good night.